Welcome once again to Life Academy at First Presbyterian Church of Bonita Springs. I'm Stephen Grant, and we are continuing our series of sessions on discipleship, learning how to follow Jesus. This is session two, and if you, if you watched session one, you might recall that as we wrapped up that session, we talked about how the Holy Spirit brings us to faith, and then as we build a relationship with Jesus— our goal is to become more and more like him because we want to represent him in this world. And as disciples, we want to live as he did. And so the question is, how do I do that? How do I grow in the likeness of Jesus? And that's what the rest of our sessions are about. A good place to start is in Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4. He gives us a wonderful description very succinctly as to how people change. And it's a three-step process. I fear that most people stop at step one. And as a result, they go back to old habits and feel deflated and feel defeated because they couldn't change in the way they knew they knew they needed to change. Well, that's why Paul gives us all three steps. Well, what are those three steps? Well, the first step is what Paul calls throw off the old self and then renew your thinking, renew your minds and then put on the new self. Okay, what does this mean? Putting off the old self means that you make the commitment and recognize there is something in my life that needs to change, that's inconsistent with a disciple of Jesus. And so I make the commitment and say, I got to change that. I got to stop doing that. Well, it is uh, admirable to do so. Let's say, for instance, a person has an unfortunate habit of using inappropriate language for a better way of putting it. And they want to stop doing that. They say, I'm not going to use those words anymore. And so they make that commitment. And then the first opportunity, something happens. And what do you know? Out it comes. Because they have been doing it for so long, it's, that's their default mode. And so in order to change that habit, something more than just saying, I don't want to do this anymore is, is needed. But that certainly is the first step. I have to be able to make that commitment because I'm surrendering to Jesus Christ. I want my life to reflect his. I want to be a good disciple. So those things in my life that need to be jettisoned, I need to be willing to do that. So I have to make that commitment. Okay, well, what happens next? Well, Paul says, you got to renew your minds. You have to think about it differently because the way you think is going to impact what you do. Why were you using that language in the first place? Well, so sometimes you hear people say things like, well, everybody does it. Well, not everybody does, and even if they did, they shouldn't. But everybody does it, or it makes me look cool, or it's good for emphasis, or it doesn't really matter. All of those excuses, all those rationales for that behavior. Well, what I have to do now is have a more Christ-like way of thinking. And I start making different statements. No, not everybody does it. No, it is, does not make me look cool. In fact, it makes me look crude and offensive to other people. No, it is, does not necessarily give emphasis. It does, in fact, might distract from what it is I'm trying to say. And no, it doesn't make me look good. In fact, why would I want other people to hear me use language like that? Why would I want one Almighty God to hear me speak like that? When being able to speak is a great gift from God. 
It's a tremendous gift to be able to communicate with others. Why would I use it in such an ugly way? Okay, so I changed the way I think about it. But now I have to replace it with something else. I have to now put on the new self. And so in this case, rather than, I have to practice this. I have to deliberately be very conscious of this until it becomes second natured. And so what I need to do is start saying things that affirm people, start building things up, choose a, 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 a word or a phrase that would glorify God. Okay, so this can be applied to really any uh, situation in a person's life, any kind of behavior, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a, um, a practice, attitude, whatever it is. Paul gets us started. So throw off the old self, renew your mind, and put on the new self. Okay, but how that sounds awfully simple, Stephen, but, it's, but it really isn't. <laughs> it takes a lot of work to be able to do this. And the Holy Spirit, again, will be there to help you. But once again, we must surrender. But let's think about it for a moment in this way. I'd like to share with you now a graphic, a chart, that I have found very useful. And this chart describes this whole process of how we change the putting off, rethinking, putting on process. Now, this chart is not original with me. I wish it were, but it isn't. I actually uh, was introduced to this uh, when I attended the training for the National Association of Neuthetic Counselors, or Biblical Counselors, and it was shared to me by a man named Randy Patton. Now, where he got it, I don't know. I don't know who the original creator of this was, but whoever it was, I think this is ingenious. This is very well done. It's what we call the why chart. Now, why, not in terms of a question why, but the letter why. So there you'll see, there you see the big letter Y on the chart. And you will see that over the chart is a biblical reference, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. This is a good memory verse. And the verse reads, we make it our goal, or our ambition in some translations, we make it our goal to please Him. That is to say that it's a good barometer for my life. I must always ask myself, whenever I'm ready to do something, or I'm thinking something, or whatever, I must ask myself, would this be pleasing to one Almighty God? Would this put a smile on Jesus' face? Because we make it that goal. Now, we understand from, understand, from the gospel that it's not our good, the things that we do that are pleasing that gets us to heaven. Jesus' grace, the blood uh, from the cross does that. But because of it, because we are believers, we want to please Him. I remember when uh, I was a child, I just absolutely adored my parents. And I remember those times when, uh, believe it or not, I got into mischief and was held accountable for it. And I remember how I was less concerned, less bothered by the fact that I did something wrong and got caught. What bothered me the most was that either my mother or my father would look at me and say, Stephen, I'm really disappointed in you. Oh, that killed me. <laughs> <laughs> to think that they were disappointed with me. And what would kill me even more is if I had to look at my Lord Jesus in the eye and have him say to me, Stephen, I was disappointed. So we make it our goal to please him. That's a good umbrella in which everything else on this chart will mean. You will notice where all the lines come together, there is a circle and it says 
point of decision. Now, what that represents is that all day long through our life, we're make, constantly making decisions. Little ones, what am I going to have for lunch? Wow, what, what's the entertainment I'm going to choose? How am I going to respond to this person? Whatever. All the way to big, life-changing decisions. Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to go to school? What job am I going to apply for? And so forth. But we're constantly making decisions. And now we're going to add the next component to this chart. You will see at the end of the two parts of the upper part of the Y, when you make a decision, you have two choices. You can either do what is pleasing to one Almighty God, or you make a decision that's pleasing to yourself. And hopefully, in time, as you grow in the likeness of Jesus, those decisions that will be pleasing to you will actually be the ones that are pleasing to God. But oftentimes, that is not the case. We try to satisfy ourselves, or we try to satisfy one Almighty God. Now, what determines the two? What makes them different? Well, 99% of the time, when you make a choice to please one Almighty God, it's based on truth. But, 99% of the time, when you try to please yourself, it's based on a desire or a feeling. And we think that that decision will satisfy us in, in some way. So, we are constantly making decisions. Well, am I pleasing God or am I pleasing me? Is the decision that I'm making based on a truth, a biblical truth, or is it based on my desire or my feeling? Is it all about me or is it all about him? Well, most of the time when we make those decisions to choose God's way initially might feel like the harder way. Whereas if we succumb to our desires and our feelings, initially that decision seems, if I go that way, that's the easier way. But the Bible teaches us, though, that in the long run, God's way is always the best way. And so in the long run, we discover if we make our decisions based on truth, on discipleship, then in the long run, that proves to be the easier way. That proves to have the best blessings. That has the best results. Whereas the more we succumb to our sinful feelings and desires and uh, to try to please us, initially it seems harder, we create unintended consequences. There are, we discover that, oh, maybe that wasn't a good idea in the first place. So, we're always making those decisions. What a disciple of Jesus does more and more tries to make those decisions that will be pleasing to God rather necessarily than to themselves. You'll notice that in the Y chart, now added, is the word habits. This is a very, very important part of this chart because repetition is how we develop habits. The more we do something, the more likely we're going to repeat that. You've heard the phrase, practice makes perfect. That's nonsense. <laughs> practice makes permanent. Perfect practice makes perfect. For example, Many of you know that my wife and I are musicians, and at different times in our life, we have taught private lessons in our home. And uh, sometimes that a student will, who has been playing for a while but has developed some really bad habits. When you hold a violin, for instance, that's what we teach, violin and viola, that when you hold the instrument, you're supposed to hold your arm more like this. In other words, it's straight down here, 
and your hand is turned in this direction consistent with the fingerboard. A lot of students develop the habit to do this. Well, yes, because the human body wasn't designed to do this. <laughs> Whoever thought of this, I wonder how much of a mascus he was. What is this kind of thing? And you have to learn to cultivate relaxation. So a common problem that a student will have is to hold their arm more out like this, which of course moves their hand and it's hard to finger the fingerboard when your arm's out like that. The other thing is the bow, because your arm is designed to go like this, they start bowing this way. Well, when you do that, what happens? then the bow direction is off. And so it goes across the string in a wrong way. And that's how you get all that squeaky sound that's often associated with um, not very good violin players. So you have to compensate it for it. Okay, so if a child comes to their lesson and they're doing this, you have to break them of their habit. Every time they pick up the instrument, if they're holding it like this and bowing like that, and they just say, you know what? If I just keep practicing, it'll get better. No, actually, it will not get better. It will get worse because all you're doing is reinforcing in your motor, motor memory that uh, to do it wrong. So you have to learn new habits. That means to break that habit, every time I pick up that instrument, I have to, and I usually tell my students maybe 10, 20 times, pick up the instrument, this, put it down, pick it up, down, up. You do these exercises. You have to very intentionally Learn, relearn because you've trained yourself to hold it the wrong way. Same thing happens with spirituality. Same thing happens with emotion. Same thing happens with habits of life. Is that if we have spent most of our life using bad language, we've trained ourselves to do that. And so in order to break that habit, you have to do what Paul says in that three-step process. But we have to understand that we're constantly making decisions. And we have to initially train our minds to always ask that question. Was, does this please Almighty God or does this please me? To learn new habits. Because practice does not make perfect. Practice makes permanent. And perfect practice makes permanent. So we have to learn all new life habits. Okay, well that sounds good. But how do I do that? Okay, now we get to the bottom part of the chart. Perhaps now you'll see on the chart... There's a line that goes across right in the middle of the point of decision. Well, everything above that line has to do with the outward self, the actions, what we do. Everything below that line now is going to be the inner self. And you will notice on the line going down, we now add the word thinking. Remember what Paul said, we have to renew our thinking because the way we think is going to impact then what we do. So we have to amend then the way we think. But here's the question, and this is what it ultimately all this leads to. What drives our thinking? What Jesus taught that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what he's saying is, is that it would never have come out here if it wasn't first in there. And that goes not just for speaking, but any action, any, any way in which we interact with the world. So if you want to change something in your spiritual life, something in your life habits, you got to start with your heart. You have to look down deep and say, what possesses my heart? Is a, is a cherished attitude or, or way of doing things 
or some person that I'm trying to be like, or am I listening to the ways of the world? Am I listening to the advice of friends or whatever it is? What is in my heart that then affects the way I think, which then affects the way I act? Now we go back to what we talked about last week about whether or not Jesus is the Lord of my life. If he is in my heart. Jesus said something very uh, wonderful in this regard when he said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Meaning whatever it is that you hold as your treasure, that's what's going to hold your heart. Now, there are many things in life that we think is our treasure, our spouses, our children, and our nation, our church, all these But all those things that we consider our treasure holds our heart. Well, what he's trying to say is, if above all else, Jesus is our treasure, he's the one that's going to hold our heart. That's where you start. That's what drives this whole chart. You start with your heart, and if Jesus Christ is in possession of that heart, that's going to affect then the way I think, which then the decisions I make will naturally go to want to please one almighty God, even though it's initially it might seem the harder thing. But I know that when I do things God's way, it will in the long run always be the best way, and he will be glorified, and I will have a life full of blessing. Whereas on the other hand, if something else possesses my heart, that corrupts my thinking, which leads me to want to please myself because it's all about me. And that's going to lead me down roads that our good Lord would prefer that we not go. What a beautiful way of understanding this and analyzing the way in which we live. And so when we go through and we read the moral ethical teachings of Jesus, oh, by the way, you remember last week I talked about how sometimes People equate the Christian faith with getting your ticket punched to heaven. And I said it does include that. But do you know that actually Jesus talked much more about our life here on earth? <laughs> he certainly did talk about heaven. He certainly did talk about getting to heaven and so forth. But the Gospels are full of teachings on how we're supposed to relate to one another and how we're supposed to live in the world. And so this part of discipleship, of what's in my heart, that affects my thinking, that then affects the way I live and the way I act, is paramount importance of being a disciple. And the most important one is what we're going to talk about next week. Because Jesus taught that he was to give us a new commandment, to love one another as he loved us. Now you'll notice that he didn't say simply, to love one another, because that's not a new commandment. The Old Testament says that. What's new is to love one another as I have loved you. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. That unique nature of a disciple's love. How do we interact with the world? What is at our core? What is in our heart that drives everything else? And what we'll discover is at our core, as a disciple of Jesus, it's that unique brand of love, that word agape. We'll talk about this next time. But that unique disciple's love. Thank you for joining us this time. And until then, shalom and much love.